Uh, my name is Jeff. I'm the lead pastor here. Glad to have you guys here with us today. I'm excited to be worshiping with you. Excited to have a bunch of our college students back with us as well. Uh, I want to say a big hello to all of those of you that are worshiping with us in our venue, uh, located down in the gym. Uh, I heard that place is, uh, it's rocking, it's rolling, a lot of people piling into that place today. So I'm glad you guys are here today. We're going to be tackling issues like the nail that is in your head. Uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about addictions and destructive habits. That's kind of where we're going. Have you ever had a conversation kind of like that video where you knew the issue someone was dealing with and you were trying to help them deal with the issue, but you felt like you were getting nowhere? You ever had that happen? Or maybe there's times when you said, I'm going to, I got a, I need to have a conversation with somebody. I don't really know what the issue is, but I know I need to have a conversation because something isn't quite going right with them. I think we've all been in situations like that. We call those things life controlling issues, uh, like addictions or destructive habits. Now, there's all kinds of addictions and destructive habits. There's the, there's the substance abuse issues, which as soon as I say that, the first words that come to your mind are drugs and alcohol, right? You also have uh, prescription drugs that are a part of that. But you know, the, that list doesn't end there. You realize that, right? In fact, I'm going to put myself and throw myself right under the bus because you can also have addictions to caffeine. I might have an addiction to caffeine, all right? Now, you know you have an addiction to caffeine when at night, if your wife asks you like at nine o'clock at night, hey, you want some coffee, honey? And you instantly go, yeah, 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 yeah. You know you got a problem, all right? And then when you complain about not being able to sleep, And you're always blaming it on something else, like it's the bad pillow or it's a bad mattress. I know we bought a new mattress last month, but we got to get a different one. It might be the fact you're drinking caffeine and coffee at midnight and you can't stop yourself. All right. If you have a problem with that, I have a support group. Okay. We meet at Starbucks every morning at seven. So, (laughs) and we also have one at night. We kind of wrap the place up at eight, but this come, we'll talk about it a little bit. Okay. (laughs) Um, But we also have issues of food. Food can be a substance that we become addicted to. The Bible refers to it as gluttony. It's an overeating. So we can be addicted to all kinds of of stuff. So if, if something in that category hasn't stepped on your toes already, I guarantee you somewhere along the line today, your toes are going to get stepped on. You're going to feel like, Pastor Jeff, why are you talking right at me? Why do you have to be that guy? Were you following me this past week? Were you in my car? Were you standing in my living room? You're going to feel today somewhere along the way like I was right there with you. No, I wasn't there. All right. I wasn't spying on you. That is just, um, that's just wrong. All right. And sick. I'm going to be speaking to you from God's word today about addictions and controlling habits, you know, destructive behavior. And I guarantee you, when we talk about these kinds of things, you're going to find yourself somewhere, you know, in the scope. You're going to find yourself somewhere in the bullseye. Don't take that personal. Just know this. When that happens, that's God's spirit speaking to you. God's trying to get your attention. He's trying to help you take the appropriate steps. So if you didn't, in any of those substance um, addictions or destructive habits, find your place find your identity or find what maybe you struggle with. And maybe your addictions fall into the emotional category where you can be addicted to TV or you can be addicted to the internet. Are you like me where no matter where you go, you feel like you got to have access to the internet. 
I know, I know I do, man. I feel, I feel somewhat naked at times when my phone's not going, bling, you got an email, bling, you got a text message. You know, I can go search anything I want on the internet. I, it's weird today to not be able to walk around and have, have internet. I feel somewhat addicted to the internet. Some of you might feel an emotional uh, addiction or destructive habits towards attention. We find this a lot in junior hires and high schoolers, this desire for attention. What happens when you have this destructive habit of a desire for attention and you move into your young adult years, you move into your adult years? That can be very dangerous, can't it? I mean, you can get yourself in some really bad situations when you have an addiction or a destructive habit that's bent on the need for you to get more attention. There's also eating disorders in there. There's gambling in there. You have lifestyle addictions and the destructive habits, like the one that we promote here in America. We give raises for it. We give promotions for it. Um, we applaud it. We pat people on the back for their workaholic, right? Have you ever heard that before? Uh, their their uh, addiction to work. How many families have you seen disrupted or, you know, uh, even blown up completely because someone in the family had an addiction to their work and that's all they did was they just pushed for more work, work, work and marriages fell apart. Families fell apart. It's, it's very destructive. But we also have the adrenaline junkies. Are there any adrenaline junkies in the house today? Yeah, okay, good. We have a couple of them. <laughs> they didn't quite make the noise that you would typically experience from adrenaline junkies, but... Uh, maybe there isn't a noise because we're not talking about a male female thing. We're just talking about this addiction, this desire, this this destructive habit at times. Is there anybody here that you know maybe exercise is yours? You find yourself at the gym three and four hours a day, right? That can be a bit destructive if that's where you are. Some of you are just going, if I can make thirty minutes, that'd be awesome. You're telling me people have got problems with this? Yeah, people have problems with you. Like, I want to have that problem. No, you don't want to have. You don't want to go from one ditch to another ditch. That's not, that's not what we're here to help you with. But the last one that might, it might be you. And if the person sitting next to you has this, please keep your elbows to yourself. But do you have the lifestyle, um, uh, you know, addiction or destructive habit of shopping? Ooh. I didn't mean to say that. I apologize. Shopping. Yeah. Where you're like, your Amazon, your Amazon account knows you more than your spouse does. You know you got addiction, right? The shopping. Your credit card jumps out of your wallet and instantly starts adding information onto the internet. You got problems. So, I mean, you know, you know where you're at. Here's the thing about, here's the thing about addictions and destructive habits. Most people know they've got it. Most people know. They just don't want to admit it. But there's, there's also spiritual addictions. There's spiritual destructive habits. You know, how is that even possible? Spiritual destructive habits? Yeah. Do you know people can be addicted to prayer? People can be addicted to uh, worship attendance. People can be addicted to worship. Yeah. You know what it's called? It's called religion. It's when you do these things with no out, no sign of any spiritual transformation. You're just doing them because you know that they're right to do, but there's no spiritual transformation happening. It's just called religion. You're doing it for the sake of doing it, and you can even be addicted to doing it, and it's getting you nowhere. It's dead, and it's dry, and it's boring, and it's not leading you to health. Two critical reasons why you know, we entertain our addictions or we entertain our destructive habits. The first one's reward. We feel like we deserve it. And so we do things because we go, I deserve this. 
You, do you know what I do during the week? I deserve, I, I deserve, you know, uh, that bottle of whiskey or I deserve, uh, you know, that pornography or I, I deserve to be able to spend money on shopping or I deserve this or that or food or whatever it might be. I deserve it. It's a reward for me. The other side of the coin though is more of a relief. Do you know how much weight I'm under at work? Ah, man, this is, this is, lets me escape from my current reality. This lets me get away from, you know, the real, the real Jeff Baker. You know, some of you, you look into the mirror and you're not happy with yourself. And so you go to these different addictions and destructive behavior because you don't like you. But it's a relief from you. It's a relief from your real identity trying to create this false identity. And guess what? Wherever you go, there you are. You can't get away from you. There's no relief from you. Either way. Whichever, whichever motivator you have, it leads to some massive problems. Some of the massive problems are obviously the sense of denial. I, I know it, but I deny it. People will challenge you on it, but you know, you're like, no, that's not me. It's like you walk up to the family that, you know, they've got 26 cats running around, you know, their house. And you say to them, why do you have 26 cats running around your house? Oh, we just love cats. You walk out of the door. Do you go, oh, they just love cats? Or you go, wow, they've got an addiction to cats. Yeah, you walk out of the door going, those people have got a problem. I got it. Now, unless you're in, unless you got an animal shelter, okay, it's probably not normal to have 26 cats running around the inside of your house, right? So it, sometimes we deny it. And we say it's a love when really it's an addiction and we deny it. Part of the other problem though with addictions and destructive habits are your, your loss of your effectiveness. Your loss of your effectiveness when it's all about you and your needs and you feeding that empty hole on the inside of you, then your effectiveness on loving the world, your effectiveness on letting the world know that Jesus is alive, your effectiveness on loving your spouse or loving your kids, it all, it all gets wrapped up in there. And you think that you're doing something really good, but really you're less effective the more that that habit or destructive behavior continues to rule your life. The problem doesn't end there though, it keeps growing because just think about the pain that you're causing others. Our sin, our addictions, our destructive habits, they cause pain to other people. There's people that love you and they try to get close to you and they've tried to address some of the issues with you and you just, you bit them off. You, you stopped them at the, at the, at right at the start. And now they don't know what to do. Kind of like the video, you know, where the, the guy's trying to love her. He's trying to point out the nail in her head, but she keeps going, that's all you ever talk about. And they never get to the end. And if you bite, if you bite uh, off the messenger, you bite the, the hand off the messenger, I'm telling you right now, then the, the pain that you're causing others, it's just continuing to increase. It's continuing to grow. I know that's not the person that you want to be. It's not the person I want to be. But the problem also drifts to your personal destruction. Some of your addictions, some of our destructive habits, they cause physical destruction to our lives. They cause mental destruction to us. You know, they cause especially spiritual destruction to us. And last but not least, there's an increased dependence on self over God. You're finding that something else on this planet is meeting your needs more than God is meeting your needs. That's destructive. That's a problem. God's word has a solution today. I want you to look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 with me. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You know, that's God's simple solution for addiction and for um, destructive behavior is that 
If we let the Holy Spirit guide our lives, He'll lead us to truth. So let the Holy Spirit guide your life today. And, and, and don't, don't keep following a sinful nature. Because your sinful nature craves things that are destructive. God's Spirit craves things that are healthy and that are whole. And so here's the real issue today. There's two elephants in the room. The first elephant is you. You, your addictions, your life controlling issues, your, your destructive habits, your sin. Which, by the way, I'm referring to me as well. It's my sin. I'm not preaching at you. I'm, pre- I'm preaching to us. It's me. That's the first elephant in the room. And are you dealing with that? Are you trying to deny it? Are you trying to reject it? Are you trying to push it aside? That's the first thing you got to deal with is there. Is that, uh, that elephant. The second elephant in the room, though, is maybe somebody that's sitting in the row with you that you know has addictive behavior, has destructive habits, and you're not really sure quite how to deal with it. Or it's someone that's in your immediate family or someone that works for you or a neighbor, somebody that you love, that you care about, and you're not really sure what to do about it. It's an elephant in the relationship and you're not sure how to really tackle that or you know how to get at it. What's the Christ-centered response? So today, today what we want to do is we want to look at what's God's response? What is the Christ-centered response to addiction? What's the Christ-centered response to destructive habit? And it would all start with this. I think Jesus would first want to drive home in our hearts, don't blame others. Don't blame others. That's one of the first places that we go. So I want you to look at, with the, with the lens of don't blame others, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says this, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. That's important. You're going to want to hang on to that. The temptations that you face are no different than what others experience. And God is faithful. That's good news. It says that God, He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Three quick things about not blaming others that you find in this passage. First off, everyone experiences temptation. Everyone, all of us in this room, everyone watching, everyone that's attending in the venue, ev- all, everyone, we are all on the same page, Jeff Baker included, we all face temptation. Has anybody faced temptation this week? Alright, is there anybody that's grown so much in their faith to the point where they, they just don't face temptation anymore? Because if you are, man, we want to know your secret. Alright? Everybody faces temptation, so that means it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how spiritually mature you are, you're going to face temptation. So, here's the bottom line. Temptation is a choice, and guess who gets to make the choice? You. Right. So, instantaneously, you can't blame others, because temptation comes to you just like it comes to me. You're the one who makes the choice whether you're going to follow it, or you're not going to follow it. So you can't blame someone else, first off, for your actions, for the steps you take. The second thing that you find in here about this blame game concept that's going on is that God allows temptation. However, God's not the one that initiates temptation. God allows temptation. Why do you think that God allows temptation? God allows temptation so that you can put your faith in Him and overcome those struggles on this planet. And guess what happens when you put your faith in Him to overcome your immediate temptation? Your faith grows. You grow with God. What you defeat causes you to be stronger. 
God allows temptation because he knows that, guess what? You know what the way out is? It's always turning to him. And when you turn to him and he helps you walk out of it, guess who gets to grow from that? You. So if you're here today and you're going, man, I, I, I just wish that there would be no temptation would come my way. Well, guess what you would be? You would be like a, a wet noodled Christian. That's what you would be. So let's just look at those two, right? You've got temptation that could come your way or not temptation. If temptation comes your way, you have the ability to grow and become mature and become strong. If temptation doesn't come your way, you become weak. You become with no backbone. You've got no spiritual life to you at all. I'm telling you, temptation that comes your way has the ability to make you strong. Right? So you can't blame God for sending temptation. God allows temptation because it grows something significant in your life. But another piece that you find in this passage is that God, God will show you a way out. God will show you a way out. I think that's, I think that's fantastic that God will show you a way out. You know what that, you know what that really means? God's got the answer for you. You don't, you cannot go back and blame, well, it was my parents. It was the way I was raised as, as a child. It was the environment that I was raised in. It was, you know, I, I turned out the way I am because of this thing or that thing or this person or that person or this relationship or that relationship. If I had it different, I would be a different person. No, God says, that everybody's tempted. You're tempted to act and behave and be the person that you are today. But God says there's a way out of it. These are not Jeff Baker's words. These are God's words. You don't, you don't have the freedom just to blame someone else for your circumstances that have now created somehow the outcome. Now, I will say this. The way we were raised, the people we hang out with, some of the things we've been introduced to, do they accentuate our addictions and our destructive behavior? Sure they do. Sure they do. But if you're trying to take the nail and nail it to the wall and blame it on someone else, then I'm going to tell you, you're going to find it really, really difficult to ever deal with the life-controlling sin that's, that's dwelling with inside of you. It's like the little boy who was in third grade. It's called Johnny. Johnny gets homework on Friday and the teacher says, bring it back on Monday. So Johnny goes home to do the homework and he shows up on Monday and the teacher says, Johnny, where's your homework? Did you get it done? No, no, sir. I I didn't get the homework done. Well, Johnny, why didn't you get the homework done? I gave you all weekend. It was, it was too loud in my house. It was, it was, it was, I was distracted in the house. Well, the teacher, a little concerned, then says to Johnny, well, Johnny, why were you distracted? What, What was so loud? Well, the TV was just, it was just loud. It was loud all weekend long. Well, Johnny, why didn't you ask the, why didn't you ask someone to turn down the TV, you know, so you get your homework done? And then Johnny says, well, there was no one else in the room with me. Right? Blame the TV for not getting the homework done when it really was us. And what we like to do is with our actions, with our sin, with our destructive behavior, we like to blame others, including God. Oh, and by the way, We like to blame Satan too. Oh, it was Satan. He's the one that did it. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you, you got an adversary that wants to destroy you. That's true. But you can't blame him for everything. You, remember, we're the ones that are tempted. God says, you have a way out. It doesn't matter what the scheme of the enemy is against your life. doesn't matter how destructive his plan is against your life. God says, I have given you a way out. So what should our response be? Our response should be, stop the denial. 
Humble yourself. Okay? Humble yourself. And just come to God and say, God, this is my life. This is what's going on right now. I want change. For some of you, it's going to require you to humble yourself in front of a life group leader. Humble yourself in front of a parent. Humble yourself, you know, in front of someone that has some spiritual wisdom, some spiritual guidance. Humble yourself in front of someone that can actually help you walk out of that situation. But the other piece is you're going to have to be honest. Honest. You got to be honest about where you're at. You have to be able to walk into the room and say, yeah, I'm Jeff Baker. (laughs) This is what I'm addicted to. I'm Jeff Baker. This is the life controlling issues I have. It's that honesty of just owning it, bringing it onto yourself. You can deal with those other minor things about how you were raised and things that you were, you were dealt with, but the major piece is you stepping up to the plate and going, I want freedom. Guess what happens when you're honest? Not only does freedom come, holiness comes. One of the things you've got to know today is that God wants you to be holy. And if God wants you to be holy, he, he's saying, let my spirit guide you so that you can become holy. Find obedience to my spirit because God's the one that wants you to be holy. And if he wants you to be that way, then God's got the power and authority to get you there. The other thing is, you might want to consider joining some of our life groups. We have life groups that are purposefully designed to help you take steps in dealing with addiction, dealing with life-controlling habits, dealing with destructive habits. We've got them. You might want to look on page 11 in your, in your, uh, you know, your life group book. Page 11 has some, has some of those groups. Uh, at the top of it, it's called restore groups. There, it's not all of them. I just know on page 11 is a page that's designed for that. You might, if you want to be a part of a group that's dealing with real life issues and helping you find wholeness and freedom, then you're going to want to sign up for one of those groups, maybe on page 11. Now there's other groups that are in there that can help you as well. But I'll tell you this, after this announcement today, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the groups that are on page 11 don't fill up quick. So you're going to want to make sure that you get signed up if that's where you need to be and that's where you need to be rolling. So don't blame others. What would be another thing that Jesus would, you know, come along and try to give us some instructions on? I think I could, I could hear Christ saying, don't tiptoe away from your sin. Some of us, we try to tiptoe our way out of destruction, out of things that we've done. Like you're watching your neighbor's house and you break the vase, right? Or the vase, depending on how you say it, right? It falls to the ground and you sweep it all up. You redecorate, you know, with their decor and so that you can get away and hopefully no one even notices that you broke it, right? Or you say something that you know, man, that was hurtful or painful. You try to get away. You try not to address it. We try to tiptoe our way out of you know, destructive behavior and addiction. We try to tiptoe our way out. That's not God's approach. God's approach isn't, I know you got something that needs to change. Why don't you just make some small changes along the way? No, God's like, you're all in or you're all out. Some of us, we don't want to, we, we want to try to tiptoe away from something because we don't want to make a full commitment because we're afraid of failure. Well, if I fully commit to follow God completely versus what I'm doing now, what if I fail? What if you fail? You're following God. You fall flat on your face. You get back up and you keep running. But here's what James chapter 4 verse 7 says. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Can't tiptoe away. What's the first thing that, that we need to be doing? Submit ourselves to God. You know what it means to submit yourself to God? It means to bring yourself into alignment with God. 
means I'm out here doing my own thing. God, here you are. This is what you want me to do. And I bring myself into alignment underneath him. Basically, you're going, God, I want you to be the authority in this area of my life. Or God, I've been trying to please myself with worldly things. Now I'm going to come underneath your authority and I'm going to let you be the one that pleases me. I'm going to let you be the one where I find my satisfaction. Submitting yourself to God is about alignment. Have you ever driven a car that was out of alignment before? A car where the wheel was kind of turned a little bit to one side and, you know, if you let go of it, the car would just veer off to one way or the other way. You ever done that before? Yeah. I mean, is that the funnest car to drive in the world? Nope. You know, do you like to drive that a long ways? No, you're, you're constantly steering away from it. I mean, the, the tires are getting wore out. Other components on the car are getting wore out. You're getting wore out. You're frustrated about the whole thing because it's just not functioning right. Right. So the car is getting wore out. Guess what happens to your spiritual life when you are out of alignment? You're getting wore out. You're going, yeah, I know Christ should be enough for me, but I'm wore out, I'm tired, and I'm weary. You come limping into church on Sunday. Going, God, I, I gotta, like a car, I gotta kinda get some fuel. You come limping in, cause you're wore out, your life is out of alignment. Submit yourself to God. Let your life get lined up. Maybe another analogy would be a chiropractor. Have you ever had a disc, you know, jump out of place on you? How did that feel? Feel good? No, it instantly caused pain and you lost certain movement, didn't you? Now, if you're kind of one of those tough men or women, you're like, oh, it's, it's okay. I'll just keep doing what I'm supposed to do. And you just like go through. I can't really, I can't reach up that high. Uh, it hurts my back. No, if you'll just go to the doctor, you'll go to the chiropractor, you get that alignment, let's say, and then he puts all the discs back in the right place and you walk out of there going, wow, I didn't realize I could feel this good. Man, I can actually, I can actually raise my hands all the way up. I can bend down. I can touch my toes again. You forgot. You forgot the, the mobility that you could have. You forgot what it was like to be pain free. In your spiritual life, some of you are, you're, you're living, enduring the pain. You're, you're enduring the, 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 the sense of I can't, I can't really reach out and make the kind of impact I want to make because your life isn't submitted to God. Because you're trying to tiptoe away from something. Well, what does God's word say that we should do? Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says this. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. When you, if you're not in alignment and your, your mind is set on the things of the flesh, your mind is set on the things of the world, if that's where your heart is at, that's where your mind's at. Guess what your actions are going to be? They're going to follow that. So if you're going, man, I just can't figure this thing out. I I can't seem to change. I've been coming to church. But if you're not submitting yourself to God, then your mind still stays focused on the things of the flesh. You keep chasing after those things. What does God's word say to do? It says, basically, focus your life according to the spirit. Set your mind on the things of the spirit. And guess what? The desires will flow. The desires of the things of God's spirit will begin to flow after you set your heart and your mind in alignment with God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 also says this. Remember, we read it earlier. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Letting the Holy Spirit guide your life. How do you do that, though? Well, here at New Life, we communicate we communicate our lives in really a, a few components. Now, there's a few things that we try to really drill home here. Number one is, you're on a spiritual journey. You're not... 
you know, you're not stuck where you're at. You haven't arrived. We're, we're all growing and we're trying to become more and more like Christ. But another, another piece that we really try to drive home here is what proper spiritual alignment really looks like. And the first thing is getting your spirit, understanding, you know, how you are basically designed. You're designed with a, a, a spirit. You're designed with a soul and you're designed with a body. Now, let me explain these really quickly to some of you that might, this might be foreign. God is the supreme authority. Do you want to know what it means to submit yourself to God? It means that where God's spirit lives in you, rules you, it be, he becomes first in your life. Then your soul, which makes up your mind, your will, your emotions, those things, they, they become second. And then lastly, your body, this flesh, the, this, uh, this hunger, this place where you feel pain, this place where you, you know, you feel cold, you feel warmth. It just, this shell just becomes third. There's a lot of drug addicts that are allowing the body to lead. It becomes, it becomes first. That's not the typical struggle that the average Christian has. The typical struggle of the average Christian is this, keeping this soul in its right place. Because where the soul wants to get all the time is it wants to get up here and it wants to dominate. Now when we let the soul dominate us, our mind, our will, and our emotions, where do you think it leads us? It leads us to destruction. Our soul. Go back to that other verse. You know, go back to that Romans 8-5 concept. It is the flesh. And if we live according to the flesh, then we set our mind on the things of the flesh. My soul, my mind, it has desires, it has thoughts, it has things it wants to do. You know, my, my will, it has things it wants to accomplish. My emotions, they have things they want to feel. If I let those three things lead me, if I let the soul lead me, I guarantee you I'll continue to live in a life full of addictions. I'll continue to live in a life with destructive habits. How do I get out of that? How do I free myself from that? It's coming back and it's submitting myself to God going, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your spirit to rule me. I need your spirit to lead me. I need your spirit to direct me. That's what it is. Even now, even in this service, God, Holy Spirit, come. Lead me in this sermon. I don't have the right words to say. If it's left up to my mind and my will and my emotions, people walk out with nothing. Holy Spirit, come. Speak through me. Give your message. Give your sermon to your people today. Amen. How often, how often do you have to do that? Once a week on Sunday? No. No. I mean, on a spiritual sense, how often do you have to keep yourself in alignment? You need, you need to do it multiple times a day. It could happen every 30 seconds. It could happen every three minutes. It could happen, you know, every hour. It could happen, you know, multiple times in a day or maybe once a day or whatever. But I'm telling you, everybody in here, we need spiritual alignments happening in our lives constantly. Constantly. We need to continue to submit ourselves to God over and over and over and over again. You know, where's your addiction? Submit it to God. When the trial comes, submit it to God. When the temptation comes, submit it to God. He's got the way out. God knows where He wants to lead you. If it, if it weren't possible for you to be led by God's Spirit, He wouldn't say it in His Word. God's not a liar and a joker to men. 
So I don't care who you are or what you're, where you're at right now or what you're thinking. You need to know today, don't be defeated. God's Spirit still has power and authority to deliver you and set you free. That's the business God's in. But we have to submit ourselves, allow ourselves to come in alignment under, under, under God. Well, that's, not, that's not all that James 4, chapter 7 said, or chapter 4, verse 7 said. He also said this, resist the devil. Resist the devil. What does that mean? Stand firm. Put your two feet into the ground. Anchor yourself. Get yourself in the right fighting spiritual stance. And when sin comes your way, say no. That's what it means to resist the devil. To stand firm. Make a decision in your heart of the person that that you know God wants you to be. Align with God's spirit and run after it with everything you've got. Resist him. Say no. First Peter chapter five, verse eight gives us some thoughts about, you know, what, what kind of mindset should we be in and, and how should we approach this just resisting the devil? He says, be sober minded and be watchful. You have an adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Have you been devoured by the enemy lately? Well, if you want to resist, the, if you want to resist the temptation, you want to resist the addiction, you want to resist the destructive habits, That scripture tells us, first off, to do one thing, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Stay addiction-free. Stay destructive habit-free. It's going to come. The more you say no, the more sober-minded you are. The more sober-minded you are when the the enemy who roars around, who wants to just kill, steal, and destroy, when he comes, guess what's going to happen? He's not devouring you. He won't devour you. Right? Man. You're like, well, I just seem to get devoured all the time. Yeah, well, I'll tell you where you need to be maybe is stay sober-minded. The second thing, though, that was in there is this. Stay watchful. Don't let yourself get into situations, man, that overcome you. Don't let yourself get into situations that overpower you. Don't don't put yourself into the midst of the fire and then expect to stay, stay holy. Expect to stay in the way that God wants you to be. Don't don't put yourself into the fire and go, I hope I don't get burnt. No, you're going to get burnt every time you put yourself in the fire. And then guess what happens when we don't stay sober-minded and we don't stay watchful? Two critical things happen. Number one, you, you experience guilt. And when you experience guilt, now you are paralyzed to make a spiritual impact on the world around you. Now that's not healthy. When, when you are, when you feel the guilt of your actions and you become paralyzed to make an impact on the world around you, Satan has you right where he wants you. Sitting on the bench, not playing the game. And then what does guilt do? Guilt leads to shame. And shame, it robs your confidence. Shame robs your confidence. It robs your confidence to make an impact on the world. It robs your confidence to make an impact for God. It robs your confidence to stay, you know, stay holy and to stay righteous before God. Guilt and shame when we don't stay sober-minded and we don't stay watchful. So, that's, that's the second point. Don't tiptoe away from sin. Run away from it. Submit yourself to God and resist the enemy. The last thing though is this. Maintain your hope in God's power. Maintain hope 
in God's power. Look what Psalm says in verse 25, or chapter 25, verse 15. It says, My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for He will pluck my feet out of the net. Wow. My eyes are forever toward you, God. Because the Lord, only you, only you can deliver me. Only you can set me free, God. Only you can release me from this bondage that I'm in. God, only you can get my feet out of the snares that they're in. Only you can pull them up. Only you can lift me up above this and help me move forward. God, you can help me overcome this addiction. You can help me overcome this destructive habit. Only you can do that by keeping my eyes on Jesus. Jesus is bigger than your addiction. Jesus is bigger than your destructive power. He, He alone, keep your eyes on Him because He can live lift you up. He can do that for you. He can, no matter how much rubble you think is piled on top of your life, no matter how many bricks of destruction of life has piled on top of you, he can reach into the rubble, grab you by the hand and he can pull you out. Aren't you amazed? Like I'm amazed when I watch the news and after massive earthquakes happen on our planet, which I hate the fact that they take place, but after they take place and there's destruction and there's mayhem and buildings have all fallen down and rubbles all over the place. You know what amazes me? Is that like seven days later, all of a sudden they pull someone out alive. Is that amazing to you? That amazes me. I just look at all this destruction. I go, there's no one that can be alive. And then all of a sudden, hey, we found three more people alive. They were, they were buried underneath this or buried underneath that. And I'm like, what in the world? Spiritually though, no matter how much rubble has been put on top of your head, no matter how much destruction's happened in the course of your life, you need to know something. God has the ability to reach into that rubble and grab your hand and pull you back to life. God can do that. God can do that. He's the one you want to keep your eyes on because only He can reach in and pluck you out of the net you're in. He can reach in and pluck you out of the snare that you're in. He can reach in and pluck you out of the addiction that you're in. He can reach in and pull you out of the destructive habits that you're in. He is in the business of restoring lives, transforming people, removing the junk out of their life and making them whole, free, and holy. That's what God does. Maintain your hope in Him. Don't lose sight of Him. In a minute, our worship teams are going to come. And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to worship God with everything you got inside of you. But I also want you to know today that the altars that we have in our auditoriums, they're for the hungry. They're for the hungry. The altars, and people are going to respond to these altars today. Because the Holy Spirit's been speaking to their lives and He's been saying to them, you can be free today. You, you can overcome, you know, where you're at today. You, you can walk out of that lifestyle. You can, you can break those old habits. Submit yourself to me and I'm gonna help you do that. He's gonna be saying that to you. You need to know today, the people at the altar aren't the screwed up ones. The people at the altar are the hungry ones. You might find Jeff Baker at the altar going, God, I just want my life to continually be in alignment with you. I want my life to continually be submitted to you. You also might find people you know, responding to God because they have loved ones that are wrapped up in addiction and life-controlling you know, uh, habits. And man, they, they're just coming to an altar hungry, seeking God. If you see a friend come to an altar today, you see a friend ever come to an altar at New Life, you give them some time to soak in God's presence, but then you make your way out of your aisle and you go down there and you pray with them. 
I guarantee you, one person's humbleness in coming to an altar can be a domino effect in impacting multiple people along the way. So let's be a church that continues to make our altars for the hungry. And today's one of those days. Are you hungry for God to liberate you? Are you hungry for God to set you free? Are you hungry for God to rip out of you the life-controlling habits? Are you hungry to be in submission to God, to be submitted to Him? Are you hungry to learn what it means to stand firm and to resist the enemy? Are you hungry to break the blame game and finally let God be God in your life? Because if you're hungry for that, Today, God's Spirit is in this place. And He's here to meet with those who are willing to say, God, here's my life. I submit. I submit to you. I keep my eyes on you because only you can pluck me out of my destruction. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, today, we know that you're at work in our hearts. We know that you're constantly pulling us closer and closer and closer to you. We know that, God. Lord, we want to, we want to be people that are obedient to you. We want to take the steps, God, that's required uh, to walk closer and closer to you. Today, may we open up our hearts, lay our lives bare before you. May we get honest and real with you. May we allow the elephant that stands between us and you to be dealt with first. That sin that's turned into that addiction. That sin that's turned into that destructive habit that keeps keeps us at bay you know, from really knowing you, from really worshiping you, from really walking in grace with you. God, those things that hold us back and they just keep us locked right where we're at, God. But you set us free from those. Help us to be people that run hard after you, chasing after you with everything inside of us. So today... Lord, we want to declare you are God, you are our King, you are our Lord. Only you can deliver us, only you can set us free. So we worship you in Jesus' name.